Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Susan Rosenberg. You may know Susan from Petco Foundation, where she spent almost 16 years. Her passion for animals was discovered at a very young age when their neighbor reported to her mother that little eight-year-old Susan was creating her own zoo in the family's backyard. When her mother investigated, she found that Susan was carefully taking care of many unwanted and abandoned neighborhood animals with her weekly allowance. She even rescued a few that didn't really need it, so her mother promptly returned their neighbor's cat with the observation that Susan really doesn't like cats to be left outside by their family, so she took yours. A life in animal welfare was her destiny. Spending eight years working side-by-side with Petco Foundation Executive Director Paul Jolly, who is now deceased, taught Susan an instrumental lesson in passion, dedication, and a get-it-done work ethic. She's a popular public speaker, a marathon shoe shopper, a California Humane Academy graduate, a fundraising award winner, and a FEMA-certified handling disaster events that involve animals. Susan is currently Director of International Animal Programs at greatergood.org, where she's able to help animals all over the world. Greatergood.org has 10 websites to help people, planet, and pets. Susan, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Stacey. So, eight-year-old Susan was busy with her zoo in the backyard. So I guess I'd be safe to say that that is how you got started in animal welfare. That's absolutely correct. One of my neighbors turned me in for having a little rooster that is not allowed in the city of San Diego to this day. You can have pet chickens, just not a rooster. And so I made my father drop me off at San Diego Humane to volunteer at eight years old when they didn't allow young kids, obviously, to volunteer. But since they had my chickens down there at their little petting area, I wanted to make sure everything was okay, and I'm still volunteering with them today. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. So you volunteered with the San Diego Humane Society. Did you work in management, or did you go directly into working with the foundations? Eventually, I found my way to Petco. My veterinarian had suggested, you know, I know you love retail, but you really belong with animals. So he had a friend that worked with his wife, and they were some of the VPs and and what have you at Petco. And so I found myself managing several local Petco stores here in San Diego. And then I got the call of a lifetime in year five from Paul Jolly asking me if I would consider moving over to the foundation because he had heard that I was really instrumental in in making all the stores in my district do community adoptions. And so a lot of the local rescue groups would come into the stores and, and hold adoption events. And so he found out about that. And then my son and I started a, a booklet way back then. There were no, not every household had a computer. 
And so we drove around to the 21 San Diego Petco stores every week and dropped off full sheet bios on all the animals that were available at the county shelters. And so the stores would put those binders up in the store. And today what that is is a live feed from PetFinder.com. So any of the folks shopping at Petco can go into the store and up to the kiosk and learn what pets are available in their area. And so that's how it all got started. Paul found out that I started that program and asked if I would come to the Petco Foundation. And I was the adoptions manager first, the national adoptions manager. And we went from, you know, a couple of dozen stores doing weekly adoptions with local partners to every store in the country. That's very impressive. I mean, it sounds like you took this combination of love and passion for animals, but yet you also had this the gift of retailing. And so you knew that the two of them should be merged together. And the benefits of the exposure of having, from my perspective, cats available at a Petco and then followed up later by PetSmart or any retailer, I mean, pretty much any retailer that showcases animals that need homes is hugely beneficial for the, for the cause. What was that experience like? You must have learned more as you expanded across the country. Were there different challenges in different parts of the country in working with setting up you know, adoption opportunities across the nation? Oh, definitely. There's, depending on the weather in certain areas of the country and most of the organizations ran with just several dedicated volunteers, and they they just plugged along. And in the beginning, there were no animals highlighted on a website before the days of PetFinder. So, you know, it was a new concept, and some of the groups were hard sell. But I just gave that responsibility to each one of the store managers who are also very passionate about animals. I mean, let's face it, you're running a local pet store. You're not getting rich doing that. You're doing it because you have a passion for animals. And so they all jumped on board. And it didn't take very long before we went to 165 stores, then 585, and then 1,200. And pretty soon, it was a company-wide mandatory program that everybody had to have at least one adoption group throughout the week. You had to establish the guidelines and communication for that. And then the foundation itself would help assist those groups get the adoption events and you would get X amount of dollars per adoption and, and those kinds of things? Not to go into too much detail, but eventually once the program got off the ground, the PECO store, the for-profit side of the company, took over the adoptions and because the folks were in their stores, they weren't mm -hmm. showcasing and visiting, you know, the Petco Foundation. And so our role was to just make sure that the groups that were attending were either a municipality or a 501c3. And I managed some of the issues on either side. But basically, it was a Petco store program once it became nationwide. And then the Petco Foundation did four fundraisers a year, and each time those store managers, all the store managers were supposed to find one of their partners or two of their partners to split the proceeds 
of their own store's fundraiser. And so it really, we raised millions of dollars for these organizations. And and the requirement was that they partnered with the Petco store, which was mutually beneficial because they brought customers in and those customers adopted from them. So everybody was just so pleased with the program. And out of those four national fundraisers, three of them, 100% of the proceeds went directly to the partnering organizations. And then the other one was used for grants, specifically for spay-neuter. So then after quite a few years at Petco, you have moved on to become the Director of International Animal Programs at greatergood.org. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, that's correct. Another call of a lifetime. I I just can't believe I fell into the honeypot twice in my life. And it was just amazing to get that call. I wasn't looking to leave the Petco Foundation. As a matter of fact, I, I thought with Paul Jolly retiring at the time and managing his own health, he passed away in 2014, shortly after I went to Greater Good from ALS. And so it was a long journey and it was terribly sad. And I just thought it was a natural transition, not only for me personally, but to grow in my role from companion animals to all animals. Because it was always very sad to me that even though we were doing a tremendous amount of work and raising a lot of money for animals, I was always restricted to companion animals. And so now I always tell people that I'm working to save everything from ants to elephants. It's just been amazing. So I started in March of 2014, and I just can't believe the effort that is done by this organization. Like you said, we have three verticals, people, planet, and animals, and I am the director of the animal vertical, which happens to be our largest vertical, and that's donor-driven. Our 130 million-plus followers are very passionate about animal causes. And I just love when we do some project where our verticals overlap. Like we have lots of veteran organizations that are looking for companion animals or service animals. So we do a Pets for Vets program. And we have a program where there's an organization on the East Coast that manages companion dogs for children that are in the middle of a court battle, whether it be adoption or anything has to do with family services and the child has to go to court. So they have these dogs in an area of the courthouse where the children could be put at ease and they just feel so much better. So I I really love when the verticals overlap. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all of the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you. Are you new to the Community Cats podcast? Don't know what to listen to first? Feel free to check out the listening module tab where we have grouped shows together by topic so you can listen to a bunch of shows around the same topic. Just click on the listening module tab at www.communitycatspodcast.com and enjoy learning about community cats.
And you're mentioning some local programs, but being director of international animal programs means you're doing worldwide grants out to a whole international environment. And how does Greater Good raise the money? Do you create a campaign that you promote to your supporters to help fund? We have a program called Gifts That Give More, and we also have some signature programs where we raise money that goes directly to greatergood.org, and then we use that money to either buy supplies and grant them out or to allow our partner organizations to apply for grant opportunities. So, like I said, we have over 130 million followers between the 10 websites, and these are folks that click every day. We have a click-to-give program. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. And also, greatergood.com who runs the animal rescue site, hunger, literacy, all of the 10 websites for good donates to our organization as well, according to their sales. When somebody goes on the animal rescue site to purchase an item, they can also donate at the same time. And our fundraisers are showcased right with the merchandise that's for sale on those websites. So you can give to fly lions to Africa and get them out of abusive situations at the same time you're buying a pair of tennis shoes. Very interesting. Is there a specific, you know, if I have a program and I'm thinking, oh, well, wouldn't it be great if I could get my program involved with greater good? Is there something specific that you look for? I look for very unique programs. There's thousands of organizations from small rescues on up to big shelters and Everybody needs general funds, of course, and we have very limited space on our website. And so I'm always looking for that unique, special project or a special situation that a group has found themselves in. For instance, there's an organization called Bat World in Texas, and I just happened across a cute little bat video that I was watching. So I called them and just asked them, is there anything we could do to help? And once the woman picked herself up off the floor, uh, it's this rare <laughs> that you get a call like that. She told me that their local town was getting ready to run out of water. They had something like 200 days of water left to supply the town. And so I told her, you know, we can't do a fundraiser to support the city, but what about Bat World? And she said, well, that's what I mean. I need help digging a well. It's $20,000. And they then, no matter what happens with the city water, they'll always have water at Bat World. So we started the fundraiser on day one with a little bit of promotion behind it, like we always do. And by day nine, we had raised $21,000. And I had no <laughs> idea that people would be so responsive to these tiny little bats who are so important to our ecosystem. Right. But we do everything from companion animals to wild animals to just any project that's going to save an animal's life. Is there a specific place or a link that we go as organizations to be able to submit an idea? Yes, definitely. You can find me at greatergood.org, and there's a bio and a photo of every one of the folks that run programs. You can email me directly through there, 
or my email address is very easy. It's just susan.rosenberg at greatergood.org. And since you do have specific knowledge about community cats and community cat programs, PECO Foundation was always great in helping support spay-neuter efforts. From the position that you're in today, if you were going to approach Greater Good, what would your idea be to help benefit community cats? Well, I think what we're looking for is to, we definitely have grants available from time to time to help in general services for the folks that are working with community cats. And one of my personal goals in this time in my life is to rescue the rescuers. And so any project that anybody has that is going to help in their efforts would be considered. But especially something unique, like they have a an area of town that they're focusing on, or they're in need of food. We partner with one of our programs is Rescue Bank. And so we may be able to find food available, or if they need a new vehicle. Uh, And I also am currently raising funds to purchase True Catch Traps. And so I've already granted out several times to community cat organizations. Everybody's always in need of traps. And so anything like that, we also have a program that's getting ready to start again for 2017 where we grant vaccinations to organizations, the regular type vaccinations that the folks can give on their own without a veterinarian. We grant out over $10,000 worth of vaccinations every month. For community cats, if they're looking for something specific that's fairly unique to only their organization. We would consider any kind of medical funding. We just want it to be unique. Otherwise, we would have to post something for every organization. But I'm happy to talk to anybody one-on-one on on what kind of efforts they're working on, and, and I could probably figure out a project for them. Part of it is marketing your project to your support base and making sure it's interesting and attractive to them. So that's correct. I would say funding a kitten nursery might be kind of exciting because you could fill your appeal with a lot of kitten pictures. And, you know, it's very hard to say no to those little kittens. Right. And you bring up a good point because once you go on the website and you look up gifts that give more, it's a unique program to greatergood.org and the animal rescue site and our other nine sites. Once you click on that page, all you're looking at is a bunch of photos. And so the photos are one of the most important things in the whole campaign because you want to market your project with that great photo where the animal's looking directly into the eyes of the donor. And I can't tell you how important those photos are. Susan, you mentioned it earlier, but I think it bears repeating because I'm a firm believer that The more fundraising you have, the better fundraising you have, the more you'll be able to do in your community, the more impactful you'll be able to be in your community. I'm a big fan of always saying, for every trapper that is out there, I need four fundraisers fundraising for them. That's sort of my ratio of volunteer fundraisers to the number of people out in the community and trapping. So if folks are interested in finding out more about Greater Good and potentially submitting an idea, how would they do that again? Check out our website at theanimalrescuesite.greatergood.com. You'll be able to get a feel for what kind of projects we've approved. The program is called Gifts That Give More. 
And then you can email me directly at susan.rosenberg at greatergood.org. Or you can also find me at greatergood.org and click on About Us, and it brings up everybody that works there. And you can click on my bio to get my email address. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I would definitely like to congratulate everybody and their efforts. I'm just so proud of the work that we're doing, especially in the United States for animals. And I truly believe we've made a dent. We have a long way to go, but we've made a dent. And and I just couldn't be more proud of the United States as a whole and how we respect animals. And that's a cliche, but they're truly part of our family. And I'm really happy that they've elevated to that level. Excellent. Well, Susan, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. Oh, thank you. I would love that. Does your organization not have a clear vision of what its goals and objectives are? Does it seem like everyone on your board has a different idea of what you should be doing and how to do it? Well, I can help you with a visioning workshop. I offer affordable, quick and painless strategic planning services for a small organization. I can even offer my services virtually. Are you interested? Just reach out to me at Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com.